Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hi, football fan. This story starts during the Second World War. Back then, an American man flew 65 combat missions in a B-25 bomber, serving as a radio operator and a photographer. Soldiers weren't allowed to keep a diary, but this man did. His name was Irving J. Schaffer, and he was born in New York. During the Second World War, this man wrote down all his experiences, every operation, every emotion. Irving often wrote about his wife-to-be, Cheryl. He missed her immensely. She wrote him letters. Irving managed to survive the war and then returned to the United States, where he was united with Cheryl. They married and moved to Phoenix, Arizona. Irving opened the city's first high-end clothing store and called it The Gentry. The couple grew old together. They had 33 great-grandchildren. One of these kids is DeAndre Yetlin. Today, DeAndre Yetlin is one of the more senior players in the US men's national team. Irving was still alive when DeAndre was a kid. The war veteran would come out to watch DeAndre's games when DeAndre was developing as a young football player. DeAndre and his great-grandfather shared a love for fashion too. They had a good relationship. DeAndre called his great-grandfather Puppy. Irving passed away in 2011, when DeAndre was 18 years old. DeAndre got a big tattoo on his neck that reads The Gentry, after his great-grandfather's shop in Phoenix. DeAndre broke through as a professional football player at Seattle Sounders, and he impressed the world of football during the 2014 World Cup in Brazil when he played a brilliant game for the US versus Belgium. Aiden Hazard, who already was a bona fide superstar back then, had a very hard time dealing with Jetlin's pace and energy. This spectacular breakthrough performance earned Jetlin a move to Tottenham Hotspur in the Premier League. He later played for Sunderland and would spend the majority of his career in England at Newcastle United. After a brief stint at the Turkish giants Galatasaray, DeAndre Yetlin returned to the United States this year to sign for David Beckham's Inter Miami. It's been almost eight years since he left home, so I hopped on a call with DeAndre Yetlin to reflect on his years in European football and to find out what his life is like in Miami. Hello DeAndre, how are you doing? Hello. How are you? 
Good. How are you? I'm okay, man. What's what happened to your face? Uh, a little head to head collision in the game on the weekend. Um, so try to get some stitches and yeah. All right. Will it be a scar or will it heal up? Uh, all right. It'll be a scar. Yeah. It'll definitely be a scar. Uh, but I got I got like the same one over this side. It's kind of faint now, but it's yeah. weird. They're like the exact same position. It's crazy. Battle scars, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. How was your day today so far? No, it's good. Good. Just had training and now back and went on a walk with my daughter and probably after going to go to, down to the pool and just relax for a little bit. So All right. nice and uh, nice in Florida. <laughs> yeah. How's life in Florida so far? It's been great. It's like, I mean, it's such a nice change from being so far from my family um, just to be able to be back. Now, obviously, me and my girlfriend have our daughter, so... You know, my family's able to see her a lot more and then just being back and you know seeing how the mls was grown and things like that is like it's incredible to to just be back and um yeah be part of this uh, growing league deandre has always been more than just a football player he has lots of interests outside the sport as well he's into fashion like his great-grandfather for example and he's very outspoken on social issues like racism i asked deandre how he would describe himself Here's what he said. The way I describe it is probably that um, I'm a human being like everybody else that happens to play professional soccer or football, whatever you want to call it. But um, I think I'm also a lot more than that. I don't like to be kind of put in that box. Um, I think being put in that box comes with a lot of stereotypes and and different sorts of things that, um, you know, I don't believe that I am. So, um, you know, I'm really into art. I'm really into fashion. Um, anything that has to do with creating or imagination, things like that. I love, um, so that, yeah, that's kind of, I think that part of it is kind of the other side of me that, you know, I think people are starting to know now, but maybe in the past people didn't know so much. I love obviously tattoos and, and things like that. So um, anything that really has to do with the creative process, I love. Yeah, so you mentioned the stereotypes, right, about professional football players. What do you think some of those stereotypes are? Yeah, so I think with professional footballers, I think a stereotype is, um, you know, just that they go out, they buy the fanciest things because they have the money. And, um, you know, I think a unfortunate one is that, you know, disrespect for the woman and things like that, um, you know, not very open-minded, not um, kind of up-to-date when it comes to political stuff and, and things going around the world, kind of in their own world. Um, so, yeah, those are kind of the main ones that I've come across um, as far as stereotypes go. But often when I speak to people and speak to people about subjects other than soccer or football, whatever, whatever we're calling it, um, you know, they're like, wow, like, you're actually pretty intelligent. I'm <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm just a person, you know what I mean? I think that's, uh, sometimes it's unfortunate that, you know, yeah. just because you get kind of put in that box, people have a, you know, a certain kind of, or yeah, stereotype about you or thought process about how you are before even meeting you. So um, there's that. And then for me personally, I think, you know, a lot of the ones that I've gotten is, uh, I think I'm a gangster because I have tattoos and I have a tattoo on my neck and a tattoo here on my face and, this sort of stuff. Um, I mean, that's, to be honest, for me, that's, that's kind of like the worst one that I've got. It's just like, Oh, come on. Like, 
you know what I mean? It's, it's ridiculous that, you know, you have to be in some sort of, you know, thug world or whatever it is to have tattoos on your neck. You know, it's, it's expression, it's art. It's, uh, I guess it's all perspective though. So, and there, there's a meaning behind it as well, right? I, yeah. I, all, every, every single one of my tattoos have a meaning behind it. Yeah. I don't, I don't have one tattoo that, you know, I couldn't explain why I got it. The one in uh, I see now in your in your neck, yeah, Gentry. It's yeah. it has to do with your great grandfather, right? Great grandfather, yeah. So he had a um, he was uh, into fashion as well, and he had the first uh, like men's like luxury clothing wear in Arizona. So um, you know, obviously, Pat or another one of my passions is fashion, and um, his the store was called Gentry. So that he that he opened. Um, so I thought it would be kind of a nice ode to him and nice way to honor him and also a way to kind of honor both of our passions colliding um, and just boom, put it right there. By the way, I have a glass of water. It looks like wine, but it's water. It's nighttime here in, it. in Europe. I, I love it. Wine, <laughs> wine or water doesn't matter. <laughs> so you you ditched your social media for a while, right? You now you're you're back on Instagram and stuff, but you you ditched it for a while and that's uh, something you don't see a lot. It's something I thought about as well often to do. But um, of yeah. course, when you're a famous football player, it is even more present in your life. So why did you choose yeah. to do that? And what kind of impact did it have on you? Yeah, so um, I, when was it? I think it was during the lockdown in England. Um, and it was me, my girlfriend and my friend Matty. And we were just sitting at around my kitchen um, just, I was on it, just fast scrolling, 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 scrolling. And it had been like an hour and a half. I didn't realize it was that long. My girlfriend's like, you know, you haven't, you haven't like looked up like once. And like, I think, you know, we all need that sort of wake up call to realize when something's a problem. And sometimes we're so immersed in it that you can't even, you don't even realize it's a problem, you know? It's like sometimes if you have like when you were younger and you got a girlfriend and you're so in love and da 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 da, you're in a relationship and you don't see if there's anything wrong, but your family's like, uh, you know, I see a lot of things going on, but because you're immersed in it, it's hard to really, you know, see the problem. So it's kind of like that. And um, from that point, like I was like, I gotta get off this and just see how it is. You know what I mean? So I I told myself I was gonna get off for a month and just to see how it is. I ended up loving it. You know, I, I really, I was, I paid attention a lot more to things, you know, that were happening right in front of me in my life. You know, when I'm driving, just painted, like realizing, you know, more things around me. Um, I started meditating, uh, doing, doing that. And that also really helped my awareness and just how I'm feeling at certain points in time. And I think it's really important because, um, you know, the most important person that you can know is yourself. And I think a lot of us don't know ourselves. And uh, I think, you know, a big, I think something that really adds to not knowing yourself is social media. And I'm not saying social media is bad. Um, I'm just saying, I think people need to get to a point where you, I don't want to say mastered yourself, because that's a really difficult thing to do. But where you've, you know yourself a little bit, better than you do now and then hop back on so when somebody makes a comment and you know it has it could be a 12 year old kid you know somewhere way off and they say oh well you you suck at soccer you know what I mean it doesn't hurt you because you know yourself and 
nothing like that shit. I mean, I, I, there'll be people that say, oh, well, how, how do comments hurt you and da da da, or how can you, you know, get so uh, fed up over comments and things like that. And it's, it's not necessarily that, but it's just even seeing it is just negative. You know what I mean? There, there's no reason to even see it, you know? Um, so I really had to work on myself and, and kind of just my inner peace before I decided to hop back on. And now I'm at a place where I feel like I've worked on a little bit more. You probably see, I don't know if you or if people were following me before, but to now I post a lot less. I'm on it a lot less. Um, I try to be a lot more private with my life, especially now with my daughter. Um, you know, my girlfriend went off it as well, and she's still not back on it. We we both just really enjoyed, you know, how I think it's just how much more we were living life. You know what I mean? Rather than living on Instagram. That was kind of the big thing. Yeah. So I wanted to ask, you know, you said you uh, people, you have to know yourself a little bit more before. So what's something you learned about yourself uh, in that period that you were off social media? Yeah, I mean, I... I think a huge thing um, came with the meditation. You know what I mean? And I think, I think I learned, I just wasn't aware of what was going on around me. You know what I mean? There's so, there's so many times where I'll be walking and, you know, could be looking down at my phone or even if I don't have my phone, but still not aware of what's going on around me. And, you know, one of the things I, I really got into Buddhism, And, you know, one of the things, um, you know, they, they say is like, you know, you're walking along a path and you see a rock. Um, that rock can be different every single day. It can be in the exact same place, but it can be different every single day, depending on how you look at it. So it's all perspective and things like that. So that's what I really try to do. Um, I really got more in touch with nature. I mean, I'm from Seattle, so I already love nature anyway, but um, I really got more in touch with nature. started taking a lot more walks, started... Uh, in England, there's a place called the Lake District, you know, that I found out like three months before I left for Turkey. So we, we were going there, trying to go there as much as possible. Um, cool. And yeah, I think it's just, I'm, I just learned I wasn't really aware of what was going on around me. Um, and now I truly feel like I am. DeAndre grew up with his grandparents in Seattle. His father, a man named Larry Rivers Jr., went to prison two weeks before DeAndre was born. He's serving a life sentence for multiple offenses, including robbery and kidnapping. DeAndre never met his father growing up. His mother, Rebecca, was in and out of trouble, so she decided DeAndre would have a better chance of success with her parents. That's why DeAndre, as a child of a mixed-race couple, grew up with his grandparents, who are white. I suspected that gave him a unique perspective on life, so I asked him about it. You were raised by your grandparents, right? And you, are, of course, are light-skinned and your grandparents are white. And uh, from what I understand, you grew up in a very white environment as well. Now, I am sort of a little bit brownish. You know, my mother is Indonesian, yeah. my father is, is white. and But I grew up in a extremely white environment in, in the Netherlands. Yeah. So, And even I was always aware that I looked a little bit different than everyone else, yeah. right? And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but can have an influence on how you develop, 100%. right? So what, what was it like for you? And no, 100%. It was, uh, it was interesting. And um, yeah, it was, it was an interesting childhood growing up. And it was, I, don't get me wrong, I love my childhood. But I think when you're a child in that moment, you know, it's different than when you look back and you realize, okay, there there was some things that were, you know, a bit odd. Like I remember going to, um, going out to eat with my family. And obviously we have my uncle who's kind of like a father figure for me. And 
my grandpa and um, my step grandma called goddess. And um, <laughs> we'd be going out to eat and, you know, they all be waiting. I'd be kind of behind them because I was smaller at the time. So nobody could see me. They pay whatever the cash register. And then, you know, the, the person at the cash register would be like, all right, and can I help you? I'd be like, oh no, I'm with them. You know what I mean? And there, and there was always, um, oh, the question is, oh, is, uh, is he adopted or, you know, that sort of thing. Or if I had braids in and they were a little bit long, it's like, oh, she's so pretty. You know, these sort of things that, you know, you probably want to get in a, in a different neighborhood, but, um, you know, that's, that's the way it is. The it's, you know, it's a, obviously diff, definitely a cultural thing. Um, but it's things that at the time I didn't even really realize, you know what I mean? It's just normal. But, um, my mom lived in, um, obviously in a different area. So when I, when I went over to her house, then it was kind of the opposite, you know what I mean? So I definitely got both sides of the, got both sides of the coin. But I remember asking, um, my grandma, like, cause I went to a school, I think I was one of three, you know, colored kids in the school, you know, um, I think there was one other girl and maybe one other guy that was mixed race also. But, um, I remember asking like, why here on my finger is part of it brown and like the palm white, you know what I mean? And then how to go on the whole conversation. Cause I was looking at everybody else's hands and I was like, why do they not have this line that kind of separates the dark from the light? And it's, it's weird, it's weird that you, that you're curious about that as, as a kid, you know what I mean? But yeah, it's true. Like you say, it's like the, there's certain things that, you know, get brought up and kind of like, wow, it's a little bit strange. Do you think that makes you, Mm, the fact that you know that you look a little bit different than most of the kids around you, do you do you think that also makes you feel like you maybe are a little bit different? Yeah, I think so. I think so. I mean, I, I think there. I got asked once, you know, you're half black and you're half white, basically, is a breakdown. And I got asked once, why don't you uh, see yourself as white? You know what I mean? Because you're half and half. And I said, honestly, it's a it's a great question, but if I was to go up to somebody and say, Hey, what am I? Nobody's going to say I'm white. Do you know what I mean? They're, the world will not see me as white. The world may see me as black. The world may see me as mixed race or it might see me as even Hispanic or like, or Indonesia, whatever, you know what I mean? But they're definitely not going to say he's white. So it's almost a reflection of what the world brings back to you. You know what I mean? I know exactly what stuff. you mean. And, and, yeah, and I, and I and I thought about it. I'm like, it's true. I am half and half. I mean, I'm I'm the same one side, the same the other. But I, nobody nobody thinks of me that way. So it's kind of how I've been raised to think of myself. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. I really like what DeAndre says here. DeAndre grew up in Seattle, a beautiful city in the northwest of the United States. He was a talented football player as a kid and he was picked up by the Seattle Sounders, where he broke through as a right back. His big breakthrough came in the summer of 2014, when he played a brilliant World Cup with the United States. That sparked the interest of several giant clubs in Europe, from Rome to London. DeAndre signed for Tottenham Hotspur, but there was a difficult move. DeAndre had some tough competition from players like Kyle Walker at Tottenham Hotspur, and he struggled to adapt to the level of play in the Premier League. First month I was there, it was really just kind of eye-opening to see the level. Uh, I think that was it. It was eye-opening to see the level. And I think at that point in my mind, I lost confidence a little bit from that point, just thinking I'm not at this level. You know what I mean? And that kind of kept going through my head and going through my head. I'm like, I'm not at this level. I'm not at this level. Why, you know, why am I here? Da, da, da. Um, and I think that was kind of the foundation of a lot of the struggles that I had while I was there. Um, you know, I, I soon after that uh, recognized that, you know, a big problem of mine was just my mental strength. My mental side of the game was, I thought it was so good because I hadn't really had any struggles before. You know what I mean? I hadn't really gone through any struggles in my career before um, coming from Seattle, you know, I played every game from the second I got to Seattle. Uh, I went to the U-20 World Cup. I went back to Seattle, was an all-star in the MLS, went to the World Cup. You know what I mean? There was nothing that really, like I had a, I didn't have a big dive, so I didn't know how to handle it until I got there. And I was like, oh my goodness, I don't know how to handle this. So there was times that I was going out and, you know, when I shouldn't have been. And I think I, I'm assuming just to kind of, you know, deal with whatever I was going through mentally. Um, but yeah, it was difficult. And I think a big part of it as well was, um, you know, we talk about knowing yourself, but a big part of it as well was, uh, thinking about like, I'm representing the United States and nobody seeing me on a game day roster. Nobody, you know, when the States are watching, people are excited to watch Tottenham because, Oh, uh, Deandre Yedlin's there, but he's not even in the 18, you know what I mean? So People are starting to ask, oh, where is he? What is he? Uh, da, da, da. He's, um, he's a flop, lost potential, da, da, da. And again, this was, I wish I know then what, or I wish I knew then what I know now is just to get off social media because that that's what was feeding it. Do you know what I mean? That was just feeding it and feeding it and feeding it until I started really to believe it. Like, I am a flop. Like, I just want to go back to America and be with my family. And yeah, it was a, it's a really tough six months, but looking back on my career now, it's the probably the most important six months of my career. Do you know what I mean? Because that then led to a huge uh, maturation that I saw in myself, um, not just for football or soccer, but for life. You know, I, I learned a lot of life lessons um, in that six months and in the following, well, in the following years really, but based on that six months. DeAndre left Tottenham Hotspur on loan at first to join Sunderland in the 2015-2016 season. Sunderland was struggling at the bottom of the Premier League table that season. 
DeAndre's lowest moment came in a game versus Watford, when the manager, Sam Allardyce, substituted him after 19 minutes of play. When he was back home, DeAndre decided to work on himself. He googled books about success, and he found one named Maximum Achievement by Brian Tracy. The book is all about goal setting as a means to achieve success. DeAndre started to apply this to his life, and soon, things would turn around. After a couple of games without any playing time, he came on as a substitute versus Liverpool and impressed the manager. He was in the starting lineup the next game versus Manchester United. DeAndre played brilliantly. He fought his way back into the team and would play every minute during the final phase of the season, keeping Sunderland in the Premier League. This was a turning point in his career. In the summer of 2016, DeAndre made a transfer to Newcastle United, where he would play over four years. He helped the team get back to the Premier League and he stayed a vital player of Newcastle United in their first seasons back at the highest level. However, DeAndre's playing time diminished in the 2020-2021 season. That's when the Turkish giants Galatasaray made him an offer. DeAndre accepted the offer and was on his way to Istanbul. So three days before we ended up, um, we ended up leaving. My girlfriend found out she was pregnant. So that was like, I mean, the, there's a lot of great things about being an athlete, but sometimes the the uncertainty of where you're going to be can really throw like a screw into things. Like it is, it it, or it can throw a wrench in things. It's crazy. Um, anyway, so she was kind of a little bit on edge, like, you know, how's the healthcare in Turkey? Da, 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 da. We're basically going to have our kid in Turkey, you know, um, which is, which is not, I would have never imagined I'd have my daughter in Istanbul, but, um, and then it was, it was actually kind of going back and forth. And then literally like 12 hours, no, maybe 18 hours before um, I needed to be there. We got it figured out. So we literally had a, we pretty much had already everything packed, but there was still some stuff that we needed to pack. So packed up the house, like probably three hours. My friend was there helping us, um, got on a private jet and just boom, straight down to, uh, straight down to Turkey. From there, I was finished with England. It's kind of weird and surreal because that was my home for, you know, six and a half years, but just like that, it's gone. Had you ever uh, been to Turkey before? I had actually been for the U20 World Cup. I know on your Instagram, there's an old picture yeah. in the stadium of Galatasaray. Yeah. Inflating God. Yes. Yes. So everything kind of came full circle. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. That, that is crazy, yeah. actually. Yeah. yeah. It's wild. It's wild. What was it like to work with Fatih Terim? Because he's a legend in Turkey, right? Yeah. He's yeah. the biggest yeah. manager ever in yeah. for Galatasaray. No, it was, it was great. I mean, obviously you come in and you know, you know, the reputation he has, and then you kind of get to see it firsthand, you know, just how much people respect him and how much he's respected. Um, but it was great. I mean, like, it's, like I said, it's a, it's a massive club with, with big characters, you know what I mean? And, you know, one thing that I really liked about it is, um, you know, every single place that, you know, Galatasaray goes, you know, Galatasaray is expecting to win. You know what I mean? There was no like, uh, like, you know, maybe we're not going to, no, it's like, is just the club and, and the, the coach, you know, gave you that confidence where it's like, this is, you know, Galatasaray and, and we are supposed to win this game. Um, so I really, it was a, it was kind of a nice, uh, confidence, you know, to, to take up. 
But at the same time, of course, uh, Galatasaray was struggling a bit uh, at the time. Yeah. The pandemic was yeah. also there, uh, you know. And Istanbul, like we said, it's an incredible city. Good food, good people. I like the massive dogs on the streets uh, everywhere. But because Galatasaray was struggling a bit and you were a player there, of course, and the pandemic was going on, you know, how did that impact the way you experienced the city? Yeah, it was it, it was it was difficult. Um, I mean. There was that and my girlfriend was pregnant. So, <laughs> and, and we're vegan. So it's a very obviously meat heavy culture, but we, <laughs> we made it work. We made it work. Um, no, but it was, yeah, it was, it was a little bit obviously more difficult to, you know, go and see the city and there was lockdown times and things like that. Obviously as the the year went on, you know, things started to open up a bit more. We were able to see a little bit more, but um, yeah. We got out to Cappadocia. I don't know if you heard of Cappadocia. No, it's like this amazing place, uh, kind of in the middle of Turkey. Um, but we got out there. We got to experience that. Um, other than that, I didn't really, I wasn't really able to get out too much. You know, I, I think one thing in Turkey that even in England I didn't get is when you're a player for Galatasaray, you're an A-list celebrity. You know what I mean? Everybody knows and recognize you. And that is obviously a great thing, but it can also be a bad thing. You know what I mean? So there's two sides of the coin to that. So, um, you know, going out wasn't as easy as just, oh, let me, you know, put on some clothes and just bounce out. It's like, all right, where are we going? I'm going to have to wear a hat. I'm going to have to cover my, you know, face. I think at the time I had dread. So it's like figuring out or braids, just figuring out how to get, you know, those away and hidden. Uh, so we can kind of go a little bit incognito. Um, so that part of it was hard, but like I said, you know, it's a, it's such a amazing city with history that, you know, I couldn't even fathom and being, you know, from America and being American where, you know, compared comparatively, it's such a new country. You know what I mean? It's just incredible to be around that much history. DeAndre received several offers from American clubs in the beginning of this season. He felt like it was time for him to go back home, especially after his daughter was born. DeAndre is also still part of the US men's national team. They recently qualified for the upcoming World Cup. DeAndre was just a rookie during the 2014 World Cup. His role in the team is vastly different this time around. Now he's one of the more senior players in the team, with brilliant young players like Christian Pulisic, Serginho Dest and Tyler Adams. DeAndre has become a mentor of the group. Yeah, it's great. I mean, it's 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 definitely more of a leadership role. And, you know, like I said, when I enter into a new situation, I'm somebody that is a little bit standoffish. I like to read the read the room a little bit. Um, but now that I've been in uh, been in this in the U.S. program for quite some time, it's kind of the sides have flipped and I know how it's like in a new situation. So kind of you know, one of the things I do really love to do is just welcoming players in, you know what I mean? And there's so much talent, like within, like you said, within, within the U S and within the U S pool, like it's, it's crazy to see just how much, um, how much the U S as a country has improved, um, and how much more the world is respecting the U S now, you know, you see players going to top, top teams from, from the MLS, um, young players. And I think, you know, that's obviously credit to the MLS and it's credit for, for, you know, the players wanting to take that leap because, you know, when I was, when I took that leap, it was, it's a difficult decision to make, you know what I mean? You're, 
it's 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 really difficult. You know, a lot of people, I think one of the things that if nobody's ha- ever had to make that decision or or go through go through that stage in your life, it's you know, people expect you to perform exactly uh in a completely different place how you perform, you know, at home. It's like for instance, for me at Seattle to perform exactly how I was performing in Seattle at Tottenham. But I mean, that's just 20% of it. You know what I mean? There's a whole other life that's going on, you know, outside of the pitch. You're at the training ground for what, three hours a day. And then it's like, what, 21 hour, 21 other hours of the day. Like you're basically starting a new life, you know, by yourself, you know, trying to make friends, figure out, you know, what, you know, what moves to make and this and that. Um, so it's a, it's a really difficult decision, you know, that I, I think a lot of people don't realize that, but, you know, I have to give credit to, to those kids for making that decision and taking that leap and, and, you know, really wanting to further their careers. For example, recently we also made a podcast with uh, Ricardo Pepe and he, he just made the move from the MLS to Europe. And, and of course he also needs some time to adapt, you know, and uh, is that something that when you're in the U S men's national team, something you talk about with a player like that? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. You know, him, uh, George Bello, who's also just moved over, um, you know, it's, it does take time. And I think, you know, that's one of the things that, especially the U S needs is some patience, you know, with, with some of the kids, it's not because we have so much talent and because we have so much talent coming up, you know, people are anxious to, you know, all right, we need to get him in. We need to get him in. We need to get him in, but it's not as easy as that. You know what I mean? There's so much more to performing on the field than just performing on the field. You know, it's, uh, there's so much outside of it. So, yeah. um, yeah, I just told him to, to, to be patient and, and, you know, things will come, you'll get more comfortable. Uh, you know, once this, especially once you know the language fluently, um, you know, you'll be a lot more comfortable. Um, and then, yeah, just adapting to the, to the speed of play and, and this and that. And yeah, I'm sure that'll be fine. What are your hopes and expectations for the U S men's national team at the world cup? Uh, my, I mean, my hopes is that we win the world cup. I think if we're going, if we go into the world cup and we don't have the goal to win it, like, you know what I mean? I, it's setting it, selling ourselves short. I think, um, you know, I think we're at this stage where of course winning the world cup is an incredibly difficult thing to do, but I think we're at this stage where we have to set that as our goal to win the world cup. Um, I, you know, I think we have some amazing talent and some really obviously young, amazing talent. Um, and I, I think the most exciting thing for me, obviously the world cup is amazing, but the fact that this group of players, um, you know, especially this young group of players will be able to be with each other for the next, you know, I don't know, 12 years or whatever it is, or, or 10 years, whatever it is. I mean, that's kind of how you look at the best teams in the world and that's how they built these absolute dynasties is all these, all these guys have, you know, been together for so long and they know each other inside and out. Um, so I'm excited to really, see, I mean, this is just a start for, for the U S I think I'm really excited to see, you know, where this can go. Yeah. Cool. All right, man. I, I know I already took a lot of your time. Thank you very much. What are you going to do now? Uh, I think I'm going to go to the pool. I think I'm gonna, uh, <laughs> Yeah, go to the pool with my daughter. She loves the water, so let her her, uh, swim around for a little bit. Okay, thank you again for your time and have a good day. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. That's the story of DeAndre Yetlin, from his family's background to his breakthrough in the US and his years in Europe.
I want to thank DeAndre for this interview. Follow this podcast in your podcast app to never miss an episode. And if you want to show your support, you can give our podcast lots of stars on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. That really, really helps us. All right, my name is Sam Verraalte. Thank you for listening. And on to the next story in the home of football. Hi guys, Frankie here. I just filmed the podcast with 433. I'm Mario Götze. My name is Clarence Seedorf. Hi, I'm Sunil Chetri. I just finished my podcast with 433. Hello, 433 fans. This is Gibral Cisse. Yo, what's going on, people? It's your boy, Andy Barak in a.k.a. Mr. Beast Mode. And I just finished the podcast with 433. Hi, 433 fans. It's Don Robbie in the building, right? And we are here for a great podcast. I want you to check it out. Hi, 433. I am Fabrizio Romano. Check out my story on the podcast. It was a great pleasure. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.